2: Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Podcast. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been surviving on scraps. It's been fantastic. We've had football every day. But this weekend, it almost feels a little bit normal again. We've got a full weekend of games to look forward to. Five games today, four games tomorrow, and then the standard Monday night little one to look forward to as well. Now, I, for one, have been absolutely delighted to be back in the swing of things, talking all things Premier League football. And here on the Football Social Daily, we're back up to seven days a week, which means every single day you can listen to us talking about all things Premier League, match reports, match previews, transfer gossip, everything you can think of, and probably a bit more added in. My name's Fergal Brennan, and looking forward to this weekend's games, I'm joined by Sam Lee, Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic. How are we, Sam?
3: Hello, yeah, good. And like you say, full weekend of fixtures, proper proper weekend of football. Let's get into it.
2: Great stuff. And uh, we also have our own intrepid Ant McGinley, a uh, full-time podcaster. He's getting into wrestling, Korean football during lockdown. Uh, how are we doing, Ant?
0: Yeah, great. Busy. Uh, I, I, in fact, actually, I've not been this busy. Uh, and, and, and like today, with all these games happening, uh feels really exciting. It's like things are starting to get back to normal, uh, which can only be a good thing.
2: Great stuff. All right. With the organisation of a, of a strong office manager or, or someone like that, we're going to do this chronologically. We're going to go with the first game of the day, which is Norwich City at home to Brighton. Now, Norwich, bless them, bottom of the table pre-lockdown. Nothing's really changed since we've got back underway. Um, and for all the positivity that we talk about them and the way they play football and, and some nice players Ultimately, short of an absolute miracle. It looks like their Premier League life is, is over for for, the, for next season anyway. But we're going to look at their opposition today, which is Brighton. Now, they're obviously not in as much of a difficult situation as, as Norwich in terms of form. They've got a tiny little bit of a cushion. But Sam, I'm going to throw to you first on this one. Away at Norwich, will Brighton be looking at this and going, if we get three points here, that's probably going to, probably going to be enough to, to get us out of an immediate relegation battle.
3: Uh, yeah, basically, it's as good as an, op- an opportunity as any, isn't it? Uh, obviously, if you are playing Norwich home, you'd think, right, lads, this is the one. But with going away, you think they're not particularly at it at the moment, Norwich, and obviously they haven't really been all season, but it's away from home, so you need to be on it a bit more. They'll probably have the concentration levels to be thinking, yeah, this is the one, because obviously that wouldn't take them up to the magic 40-point mark. Um, but there'd probably be enough gap between them and the rest that they would be thinking, if they get
2: this one in the bag, they could probably rely on a draw
3: or another win after that, and they'd be safe. So, yeah, big opportunity for them.
2: And post-lockdown form has obviously been so important for everybody, both ends of the table. Whether you're scrapping for Europe or you're pushing for um, pushing to stay in the in the Premier League, and that win against Arsenal seems like a long time ago now. If you're a Brighton fan, when you look at the results they've had since then, it was really tough for them against Manchester United in midweek, and yeah, they're facing a United side that are arguably one of the form teams in the league at the minute. But it's it's so difficult to gauge. How do you balance that early optimism? We've got a great win against Arsenal. Let's you know don't let the don't let the fire burn out. Um, And when you look at the games that they've had and the games that they've got coming up, they've not got the worst run in compared to some of their rivals. Would Brighton be on your list for should survive or are you are you worried about them? I think it depends on
0: this game. I think if if they win this game, it's all in their own hands because. You're looking at... I mean, see, they've not got the, the toughest run in. The next two games are Man City and Liverpool. And um, with Man City gearing up for the Champions League and Liverpool chasing records, I don't think they're going to give them a pass on those. And then the next two games, they've got the final two games, are the two teams directly above them, Southampton and Newcastle. Now, the gap with them is I don't think you're going to see them beat them. So Brighton are looking at maximum, probably realistically finishing about 15th. Um and three points, when you look back at the history of the Premier League, I think, was it 2007, 2008, 36 points was enough to keep you up just on goal difference. So if they can get this win today and then um, you know grab grab points from the final two games, um, th- they'll be safe. Um, the thing is, though, it's really the fact that they're down here has really made me take a second look at Graham Potter because all season I've been harping on about him I've seen Brighton play quite a few times and I've really liked the way they play. I really like his philosophy. I I like how he's developed certain players, how he's brought players in that maybe haven't um, been on people's radars when they've been elsewhere. Um, I like the the philosophy. I like the spirit of the team. And there's been a few games where, you know, they've not come away with a result, but you've been really impressed with watching them play. And... Um, the Arsenal result was great for them. It was unexpected. I think they they would have, you know, even though Arsenal haven't been on top form, it's, it's still a very difficult thing to get. Um, arguably, they were lucky to get that, but they got the points fair play to them. Um, but where they are now, it's maybe just stop and look at where they are. And actually, they've got 33 points and they've only won seven games all season. And that's, you know, Aston Villa, Bournemouth... You know Watford levels of winning, and really that's worrying. That that's that's an alarm call. Now, obviously, you know Potter's new to the the Premier League, but then you know other people have come in new to the Premier League and and they they're they're doing better. So you can't necessarily go along that. So I think this is going to be very much um, a lesson of a season to Potter and to Brighton, and I think they will have to make some changes in their approach in some way towards next season Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to come in the form of recruitment Um, so that's going to be an interesting summer for them so I think they will stay up but we're going to see
2: changes because of the world we'll have to see changes because of it Sam do you think they're kind of old school experience and a little bit of grit is probably what's going to save Brighton. If you look at them in comparison to Norwich, as Ant says, we kind of use some of the same comparisons of they play nice football and there's things to, things to like about them. But ultimately their, you know, their their centre-back options, their central midfield options, their their experience right the way through their squad is greater than Norwich at, at top flight level. People like Lewis Dunk, Dale Stevens, Matt Ryan in goal. Um, do you think that's what will edge them? Because you know, often we see relegation battles ultimately decided by have they got players that can just almost kick into muscle memory. And do you think that's what will save the day for Brighton?
3: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. Um, they just they just have got be- better players back there. They they know what they know what they're doing. Well, I mean, they've got an idea of how they play. Uh, obviously, they've only got. A certain amount of wins this season, but that's why, like at the moment, you're not particularly worried about their form since they came back. You know, they beat Arsenal. It's just what, that's how teams like Brighton survive. They pull off the odd big win at home. I remember when they beat Spurs. The rest of the time, you know, they kind of they're trying to beat the teams around them. Losing at the home to Man United. Okay, they've done well against Man United in recent years, but. United weren't particularly good then and they're doing alright now a draw away at Leicester's about par like they don't win many games so I'm I'm not sure what I would be expecting from them too much to be honest yeah they've got a difficult couple coming up but they've probably done enough already they probably will do just about enough uh, in the next few weeks, just about to stay up. You're right; they're not especially good, but as you say, the difference between them and Norwich, for example, is the fact that I think they just simply have got better players. And the, you wouldn't say they're a typically gritty side, but certainly more experienced than Norwich and just yeah, a bit more accomplished at this level than, than Norwich. Unfortunately for for the Canaries. Uh,
0: so, if I, can I, use, if I can use a little like FIFA metaphor here, that with both these teams, actually with Norwich and Brighton, it's a little bit like if you always play FIFA and you always play Barcelona and then you go around to your mate's house and for some reason you play Rochdale you, and then but you play the same way that you used to play with Barcelona it just you just don't get the same results it's not as sharp it's not as the passing's not as good those kinds of things and it almost seems to be a, a, a little bit like that so the, the the philosophy's there and the philosophy's good and the philosophy works well but they don't necessarily have all the moving parts and working parts to implement that philosophy
2: and call this one for us. Another nail in Norwich's coffin and Brighton moving away or the the great Norwich revival kicks off here. I think I know the answer but go on. Alright,
0: well, you know me, I'm i I'm a big romantic and, and I love an underdog, but there's absolutely no way that Norwich <laughs> are coming away with anything in this.
2: Uh okay, fair enough. Sam would you agree? Three points for Brighton. It'd only be their third away win of the season if they did.
3: Well yeah, exactly. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they if they won one 0 I, I think it would be quite close though. Um Uh, I'm going to go with a draw actually
2: OK, fair enough. But you know what? I think I'm going to go with Sam uh, and give Norwich at least a, li- a little bit of a stay of execution and go with a score draw here. Uh, from bottom end of the table to the top end of the table and a club who are obviously not worrying about being relegated, but they are worrying about slipping out of what looked to be a very, very, very strong top four place. And that's Leicester. They're at home to Crystal Palace today. Uh, one of the big things that we've chatted about uh, post lockdown since we've come back into Premier League action is what's going on at Leicester? excellent uh, at the turn of the year. They recovered from uh, a bit of a sticky spell over Christmas where they lost to Man City and, and Liverpool to, to basically kind of convince us all that we're not interested in fourth place. We'll let the others fight for that. We, we, you know, we're happy with third. Um, but unfortunately, their form, since we've come back to football, has been dreadful. Um, Sam, go to you on this one. In a nutshell... Uh, if you can, I don't know how no, big, a, okay, how big, a, how no, big, no. how big a nutshell this is. What is the issue? What you know, when when we try and break it down, is it is it Rodgers? Is it inexperience in certain areas? Is it the fact that Jamie Vardy isn't scoring goals?
3: Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's Vardy not scoring goals, but it's because there's not been many chances created. And I think if you if you look at it, everything since they've come back, Vardy's actually creating more chances for others, um, but he's not getting many himself. He's not having many shots at all. Um, they're just kind of not quite on it. I'm not sure if there's a specific reason for that. Rodgers has kind of speculated that it's because maybe they have just lost their rhythm a bit over the lockdown and and, and not quite come back themselves. Uh, I don't know if there's anything more to it than that. I know they've changed a couple of formations, but they're just not you know, beforehand they were kind of almost Man City in the way that they had a, a front three and the, the two number eights and Ndidi sitting you knew what to get from them but since then they've gone, those two number eights have been a bit all over the place they've gone to a more four four two. you know Mendy's come in at, alongside Ndidi so they're changing things around but they're not getting the chances and then if you look individually Harvey Barnes hasn't kind of hit the heights that he was just getting to before the lockdown um, and James Madison as well. So yeah, they're not they're not get, they're not creating the chances for Vardy, and obviously a, a lot of what Leicester were doing was built on that. I think he had seventeen goals in eighteen games in up until yeah December thirty first, something like that. So he's got two since I think. So
2: there you go, and it's, they're just not creating the chances. And goals is the key one, Ant. Four games since they've come back to action, including that FA Cup defeat to Chelsea. Two goals in four games, and both of them have been scored in the last five minutes. Uh, Ian Acho scoring against Everton in the last time, and then on the opening day, Ben Chilwell against Watford, who then went and scored an even later goal to to get a point. Mm. And For me, that's quite telling that a team like Leicester, who we used to seeing quite front foot first and and putting teams under pressure and scoring early goals that are now having to wait until the back end of the game to even get a consolation. How does Rodgers dig his way out of it? And how do the players dig their way out of this? Because if they don't manage to turn it around very, very, very quickly, they they are going to drop out of the top four.
0: Yeah, well, I I think the thing is, the the worrying thing for Leicester is the, the fixtures they've got left. Um, with the exception of Bournemouth they've got three very difficult games uh, away to Arsenal and Tottenham and at home to Sheffield United which you know for any team at the minute those those games are are, are gonna uh, create problems for you however I I think we need to sort of like take a step back I don't think there's major problems at Leicester bear in mind you know you only have to go back six months, and, and, and I know that seems like a really long time ago, but they like were talking twelve games into the season. Leicester were second, you know, and Leicester were the people were talking about. You just Google it now; you'll find hundreds of articles of people saying, you know, Leicester, are, are, you know, have slipstreamed City and are going to be the club that are challenging Liverpool for the title. You know, could they really do it? Even though Liverpool were already flying. Um, and in terms of goals, actually, when you look at it, you know the, the 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 amount of goals that Leicester have scored suit their position. They've got their third highest goal scored this season with sixty, um, so a, a little bit behind uh, Liverpool and and Man City. But uh, yeah, it, it, so, something something has happened. Um, it could be the way that this break has affected different players, different squads. We've seen uh, people come into this environment differently. Um, I I don't I don't think there's a problem and I think I don't sorry let me rephrase that I don't think there's a major problem I I think it's more of a rhythm that has affected Leicester with this um and the the problem is is yeah it's so close at the top right now is is you're completely right not only could the, you know the, the, they're on for what would be an amazing third place automatic Champions League qualification but with the way that um Chelsea, United and Wolves have been playing. You know, they could even miss out on Europa League, which would be tragic considering where they are. I think you can't question Rodgers because Rodgers has been up there before and he's certainly finished highly in the Premier League and he's got the experience and he's worked very well with the players. I mean, one of the things we saw was the difference that um, Vardy under Claude Puel and then Vardy under Rodgers the way he was able to work with him and get the best out of him. Um, and Vardy, as like Sam said, Vardy's been involved in so many more goals than before. He's still um, in with a chance uh, of winning the Golden Boot. He only needs a couple of games for him to get them. And he does like scoring against the top six as well. So, Or, so I would say, the old top six in terms of Arsenal and Tottenham. So um,
2: he, The new top he six. could still do that. Yes, yeah, Who knows? Just change it to the top nine. Uh, Sam, when you look at the situation that Leicester are in and the previous seasons uh, since they won the league in 2016, they've not actually qualified for Europe since then. Does Rodgers have a case? And he's been quite um quite careful about the way that he's managed this of not saying let's not be unrealistic you know we're in the top four let's try and finish as strongly etc etc but if they were to drop out the top four and let's say get Europa does he have grounds to say listen I finished higher than you've ever finished aside from winning the Premier League you know give me a break I think to get into the Champions League for Leicester is already an enormous achievement to get into the Europa League the Europa League is also a big achievement do you think because of the expectation after winning the league and the way that played so well this season that things have maybe become a little bit unrealistic
3: well i I think it'd certainly be justified in saying that and I don't think anybody would hold it against him if they if they did drop out I don't think anybody would be criticizing him for it maybe they maybe they should but I don't think anybody would be um I think everybody would look at it, and he would probably say himself that he has done a good job with Leicester. I mean, look, if they end up free falling and finishing eighth, then you'd say, right, what has gone on here? They need to change that. But they've not got an especially big <laughs> squad. They've they've bought very well. If you think of the players they've got, I'm sure Ricardo Pereira's absence has had something to do yep. with their attacking output. By the way, obviously he he's 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 not back with an injury. Um, but yeah, to get him Soyuncu, Madison all for about £20 million. They bought Johnny Evans a couple of years ago around the time Man City were looking at him. And he'd actually been a good player for City in hindsight. Um, They've they bought very well. And yeah, they are kind of punching above their weight. Um, but Rodgers will, will want to say, look, we need to finish in the, the top four because that's, that's how you do it. You want to set that standard, wouldn't you, there? You've got, you've got to say, this is what we can do. But I think if you were to look at it from the outside and if the wheels did come off, it would be understandable in a way because, yeah, they haven't got the biggest squad and it, it would have been an overachievement anyway. Um, but yeah he's he's done a good job and I suppose we'll get to see in the next few games if there's an element of him turning it around I know he said it won't take long for them to or it won't take much for them to click back into gear I suppose we'll have to see that but no I think it will be a great first season overall for him but obviously given given everything that's happened in the league this year I think everyone kind of gets a free pass because this this break has done nobody any favours really
2: uh Ants up against Crystal Palace who we don't really know what we're gonna get. They're either kind of transformer four four two where you can't get through them, or, or they were how they were against Liverpool, which is lie down and, and let in four goals. How do you see this one panning out? Do you think this is where Leicester finally, you know, turn things around, get the three points they need, put a did bit of distance between themselves and United and Chelsea? Um, that's
0: what they'll want. I mean whether or not they can do it. I mean the thing is when you when you look back I mean, it's not just the the form that they're in since the break. I mean, I think um, just adding it up now, the last sixteen league games they've only won four, um, so that's not really great form. So it almost it does feel like a stuttering start, like they took off so well. Um, the <laughs> the The spanner in the works is that Palace are welcoming Benteke back from injury. And it's 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 about that time of the season that will pop up and get like his second goal of the season, um, but I I could see this going down as a draw, which I think Leicester it's not good enough for them, but with with the stumbling form they'd maybe take that.
2: Okay. Before I pass over to Sam for a prediction, do less to get into the top four. Do they finish in the Champions League spot, Sam? Well, it's it's more, yeah, it's more, more of a question
0: of like, do they they they've got it? Do they drop it? I mean, the thing is, we've seen them as a squad, and they still got the core, the score, of the 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 core of the squad that took them to the the league title. Um, so that there is an element of handling pressure. Uh, Rodgers is obviously the experience of winning titles as as well. Um. But that in itself is not enough. Bear in mind that they didn't actually have that experience when they won it the first time. They had the naivety. So this is kinda of like their difficult second album. Um I think Chelsea and Man United are really breathing down their necks. I think it's gonna to go to the wire. Um so I I will I will say I get back saying, to me <laughs> yeah I'll get back to you on that one because that is I could see this literally that's going to be more exciting than who's going down this season it's going to be who's going to get the third fourth fifth places that's going to go to the last day of the season
2: uh, Sam are you going to sit on the fence give us, no, give us a prediction
3: I think looking at the fixtures just based on how they've come back uh, no I think they're going to fall out of it they haven't got that big cushion anymore uh, it's only you know, they're only one point ahead of Chelsea Um three ahead of United and even three ahead of Wolves and you know fifth might be enough for the Champions League obviously depending on what happens with, with Man City um, but no looking at, looking at the fixtures and that points gap they've got Arsenal and I'm sure well we'll get to they've got Bournemouth okay you'd expect them to win that Sheffield United could go either way Spurs away but they've got Man United last last game of the season which is huge um, but no I, on current form I'd have to say no But do you think they'll beat Palace?
2: Palace, palace, palace. Hmm. Uh no, another draw. <clears throat> Ah, fair enough. OK, so that's uh, a draw, a draw. And do you know what? I'll make it three for three. I'll go for a draw as well. Uh, Leicester, I do. I just, something just doesn't seem to be clicking. Um, and I just have these this image, kind of metaphor of Brendan Rodgers trying to shove two pieces of Lego together and, and it's not really working. And I think that's probably exactly what's going on at the King Power right now. Uh, I reckon Brendan Rodgers likes a bit of Lego. Uh, right, uh, we mentioned Manchester United who are breathing down Leicester's neck. They're at home to Bournemouth today. United uh, and loves talking about Manchester United, so I'm going to ask him first about this. They've been one of the best teams uh, post-lockdown. I was really impressed with them against Brighton in midweek. That goal, obviously the comparisons, loose comparisons to Cristiano Ronaldo's Champions League goal for them that Bruno Fernandes finished off at the Amex. Before we get on to this game, what have you made of Manchester United uh, coming back into action, Ants?
0: Different side. Different side entirely. Um, They feel like a team now, and it feels like... um, a team that everybody wants to play for, which sounds really weird when you're talking about Manchester United. Um, and that might be something to do with the pressure that they're under because of the size of the club and the shadow that they're coming out of. But I think the real changes come in around um, two, the two players they brought in in January. Um I think Agallo has surprised a lot of players, people in terms of how well he's done. Obviously, he's got the Premier League pedigree, but I think people put him like, well, he's at the end of his his career, really, and he he had to be in isolation when he first came in. So when he played a few games before the break, but he's got goals that they've needed. But Fernandez just makes everything better. It's like it's like sweet chili sauce at dinner. (laughs) You know, like there's not a dish you can't put that with that it doesn't make it better. And It's something about, like, obviously he's a great player and his record in terms of goals since he's come has been amazing. But it's not that he... I don't think he makes other people look better because he's playing well. I think it's almost like he's the cool kid at school and everybody wants to be his friend. So everybody wants to get in, everybody wants to play, and there seems to be... He's brought with him more than his talent. Something has happened with him coming to the club... And there's an energy, and I've I can't remember seeing Pogba play for United like he's 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 played when he's been alongside, um, when he's been alongside Fernandez. So I think that's possibly the the, the key thing that's there. So um, and and poor Bournemouth. I mean, they looked tortured the other night. I, who knows what's going to happen in this one.
2: Um, When you look at the form, Sam, that United, as I say, have shown, they've looked impressive. They look primed and ready to benefit from when Leicester probably slip up again and, and leapfrog them and get themselves into the top four, which was Solskjaer's objective at the start of the season. Given the fact that Chelsea have looked very good, on the one hand, you've got the win over Manchester City, but then you've got defeat against West Ham last time out what you need right now is you need that steadiness you need the ability and the confidence to go we're going to get three points out of this game there's not going to be any fuss we're just going to go out there get the points that we need to get into the Champions League United do look better equipped than Chelsea based on what we've seen in the last couple of weeks
3: yeah yeah they do Um, yeah they just yeah as you say pretty much they look assured Um, I have to say I was very much of the opinion that things was kind of so so much of a mess at United in terms of the, the idea. They didn't really have much of an idea going forward that when they were linked to Bruno Fernandez, I was kind of thinking, well, you could put Messi in that team and he wouldn't make them much better. There's just too many too many issues. But it really has transformed them. He's given them a lot of confidence. And now with Pogba back since the break, that you know, we're talking about that kind of two number eight system that Leicester and Man City use if you you get those two with as as we saw against Brighton, somebody like Matic behind them holding, obviously United got a few options for that role, with Tom and Fred as well. Um, that's you know that that is a recipe for success, and for somebody like Rashford and Martial, they're, they're kind of streaky players, but you get that with well relative youth. I know they've both been around for a while, but young enough. Martial getting on it slightly more than Rashford, um, but just so much firepower there. Um, Mason Greenwood as well. I mean that is a it's a front five certainly that belongs in the in the top four. Let's put it that way, um, and the fixtures again. If we go back to the fixtures, they're very good. The only thing is with United. It's always it's difficult to get, well, it's easy for a lot of people to get carried away, but it, if you're looking at them rationally, it's difficult to get carried away with United because they do throw in that inconsistent kind of result. This isn't the old Ferguson Man United, obviously. This isn't Liverpool of this season in terms of consistency. It isn't Man City of the last couple of seasons. They, they do put in a, a weird one every now and again, and that's why everything was doom and gloom, you know, when they lost to Burnley at home in, in January. Um, I even remember when they drew at Everton. Before the lockdown And it was like Oh what's going on With this team uh, But with the fixtures You think They've got a really good chance And the only other thing is With Solskjaer He does tend to just Do a lot of high intensity training And just play everyone Every week there, Not an awful lot of rotation And obviously With the three months off And only three weeks To get back Everyone's expecting Muscle injuries I do I. The only thing I would say If I'm just trying to think Of all the options is may maybe united might get tired maybe they might get burnt out but if they don't they look like they're well capable of steamrolling into that into that top four
2: And would you agree with that? You know, when we look at United and we talk about Greenwood alongside Martial and Rashford and Igala, who's, let's be honest, surprised us all with the fact that he's actually managed to look relatively consistent and the running they've got, Villa away, Southampton at home, Palace away. These are games that if you're pushing for a top four place or, or a title, you'll be licking your lips at because you're talking about teams that are either relegated or don't really have anything to play for has the path just opened up slightly unexpectedly for Solskjaer and United to just motor on and get into the top four?
0: I think so. And and especially when you um, look at the uh, the final game of this season, Chelsea at home. Um, I mean, Ch- Chelsea have an interesting light run up as well. They've got Palace and uh, Norwich. Uh, the one difficult game they've got really is Sheffield United. Um I think it's there, and I I think we're now, it's forcing a lot of us, sort of uh, commentators, pundits, journalists, the likes of us, to suddenly go, actually, is Solskjaer, you know, proving himself to be quite a capable manager? Obviously, he's got a lot of assets there uh, at his uh, calling, but um, when you look on the 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 scale of things and what he's done in this time that he's been there yes there's been highs incredible highs and then there's been really sort of uh, slow patches but it seems to be that something is happening something is coming together it i mean i've, I've said it's fernandes it could just be that everything else that they've been building on has started to fall into place as fernandes has come along um i think the advantage that they've got over chelsea and Given some of the performances that we've seen in the last 18 months from United, this sounds really weird to say it, but I think that United defend better than Chelsea. Um, I think there's still question marks uh, over Kepper and Rudiger at Chelsea, and I think United potentially are going to edge it.
2: Very good Uh, In terms of this game Bournemouth You know For every bit The United have been good Post lockdown Bournemouth have been dreadful And for me They're staring At the trap door Their Premier League Journey Dream Whatever Seems to be coming to an end Sam I just wanted to ask you quickly on on Bournemouth things do seem to have gone a little bit sour Callum Wilson's obviously been banned for two games and he hasn't had the best of seasons the whole Ryan Fraser debacle where he's refused to sign that month long extension to see them to the end of the season that really gives a sense that all's not well on the south coast when you think of other clubs that have had players whose contracts are up and they've gone yeah I'll stay for another month but I'm leaving yeah but I'll help you out for a month and given the fine margins between staying in the Premier League and, and dropping down to the Championship, a Ryan Fraser free kick or Ryan Fraser crossing to the box for you know, John Johnson or Jack Jackson or Steve Stevenson or whichever Bournemouth defender Eddie Howe's picked that week could keep them in the division. Do, do you get the sense that things have uh, are actually kind of fallen apart and they're going to drop down?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Fraser thing had been um, bubbling along for a while. and I think, you know, if Bournemouth were a bigger club and I'm, I'm not criticising them it's more criticism of how in the media we don't tend to care about these dramas if they're outside of the top six or even you know slightly more fashionable clubs than Bournemouth but there was a you know there was a statement put up at the start of the season about Fraser's contract and kind of denying claims and making claims against him and all this kind of thing so that's been going on for a while um, whether that's indicative of the state of the rest of the squad or not I, I'm not sure but to go back to your actual question are they going to drop out <laughs> i can't see any way i can't see any way they're gonna get out of it (laughs) Uh, i I remember i did um the last time i was on the show was before bournemouth had played and we were talking about their first game back and i was like well it kind of depends how they do after this break because obviously beforehand they weren't doing particularly good um but maybe they'll be re-energized they'll have all their injured players back and they'll be fine but they've lost every game since then um they got they got united today obviously they got they got Spurs and Leicester, obviously aren't doing particularly well, but not ideal. they got Man City, then Southampton, and then last game of the season's Everton. Like, There's nothing to suggest that they are going to stay up. The only way they do will be if it's just an immediate turnaround and they, they somehow get three wins out of that. But it's got to be the toughest run-in that any team down there has got. And they're probably on the worst run of results as well, pff, apart from Norwich, I suppose. Um, there's just, there is nothing to suggest from the outside that they're going to be able to stay
2: up. And would you go along with that? Do you see a miracle uh, at Old Trafford for Bournemouth or do you think United just power on?
0: I think the one hope that Bournemouth had was just the other teams around them doing worse than they were. But with that incredible win for West Ham the other night, I I think that's kind of thrown it out of the water. Now, the the interesting thing was the goal they got back against Newcastle um, because they were so lacklustre. Um, it could have been 5-0 easily. Uh, but they kept it to four and then got that goal back and that seemed to be a little bit of a glimmer and I thought then I wonder because this very much could come down to goal difference I mean right now you've got three teams on 27 points um, and goal difference could be all that separates them so things like that could be their saving grace I, I, I think much like the, the Champions League places it's going to go down to the um, to the last day and to contradict myself this could be the most exciting thing on the last day <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Sam, would you follow Ant's kind of scattered logic, or or do you or do you see this kind of going a bit more straightforward?
3: You know, again, it's the same thing. Like everything from the outside suggests United are going to be fine. Everything from the outside suggests Bournemouth are not. It would you use the word miracle? You know, United aren't that good yet. It's not like Liverpool or City losing at home to Norwich. But it's it's pretty much in that territory, to be honest. So I, I can't see anything else than a United win. And if they didn't win, then you know that would, that would be kind of a reminder of the problem Solskjaer's got. But I'm, I'm not
2: expecting it. No, I think that's fair enough. Uh, guys, we're going to call it there for the first half. After the break, we're going to be talking about Wolves against Arsenal and also Chelsea at home to Watford as they look to put a bit of pressure on Man United and Leicester in the race for top four. See you in a minute.
1: Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask. Alexa, open sports
3: social.
1: Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask. Alexa, open sports social.
2: Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Don't forget, we're back up to seven days a week with the Premier League return to action, which means every single day we are your go to source for all things Premier League match previews, reviews, gossip, all sorts of chat and nonsense going on. And don't forget, if you have an Amazon device, you can also listen to our daily team updates. Simply ask your device to enable Sports Social, select your team, and away you go. Now, before the break, we talked about relegation, the race for top four, and we're going to go back to the race to the top four or maybe even the top seven, depending on which way you're looking at it. Wolves against Arsenal. Now, this has got all the makings of being an absolute cracker. I think at the start of the season, if you were to swap places with these two teams, it would have made fairly good sense. Wolves pushing for another Europa League qualification. Arsenal making a bit of a fist of pushing to get themselves back into the Champions League. However... The, the, the Premier League gods have kind of messed with, with logic this season in many, many ways, and they've swapped them around. Uh, Wolves are on the outside of the Champions League and Arsenal are battling to potentially get into the Europa League. So with that in mind, for me, this is probably the game of the weekend, not just because I'm an Arsenal fan, uh, from, from a neutral perspective as well. The difference from Arsenal from the first week of the season, Ants, I'll go to you first on this. Mm-hmm. That defeat to Brighton was doom and gloom on the back of getting pulled apart against Manchester City the Southampton win the Sheffield United win in the cup showed up a bit of bottle the late goal are we seeing a little bit of a corner being turned with Arsenal in terms of where they're going to finish the season positivity in the week with Bukayo Saka signed a new contract there's a lot of talk now that Pierre-Emic will agree an extension uh, despite looking like he was going to leave do you see a little bit of a corner being turned or or am I just being too optimistic uh,
0: can I just first first make a comment on that Saka thing? Um, I saw the social media video that Arsenal put out for it. And I have to say, I just felt pity. Because it was like, um, that's a player you already have. And the, the social media that went around it was as if you just signed Messi. Um, and it just seems like, that, I think that puts into question, or highlights so many of the questions at Arsenal at the minute, where, you know... They've had so many, what seems to be an endemic problem with, with contracts that when somebody signs, they get super excited like it's a big thing. And, you know, we've not even talked about Obama Young, but I'm sure he'll come up uh, a, a little bit later. Um, I don't know if you saw this as well, but Hector Bellerin um, did a thing during, just before we came back into the restart, uh, where he's joined in. And it's a, it's a great campaign, a cause that he's gone in, and he's pledged to plant 3,000 trees for every victory that Arsenal get During the rest of the season uh, Which I did a quick calculation to mean that um, th- That was going to be zero trees By the end of the season um, How very uh, droll Yes <laughs> But the uh, Yeah you're right I think they, they were It, it wasn't lucky They had the injury to the keeper And then that last last second goal Against Brighton that lost, lost them that, that first game back in So they had a bit of a stumbling coming in Th the stuff happening there. Um, I think Arteta's slowly changing things around. Um I, as much as I, I, I mock the, the whole Saka thing, it is a great thing for the squad. It's a bit of stability. People know who's gonna be there, who's gonna be there the next season. Um and it means Arteta's able to build and, and you know, Arteta's still unproven. You know, he's still what is he he's less than 20 games into his managerial career. Um, but th- th- so there's, there's not really enough evidence to see what he can do yet, but it's starting to come together. I, um I, I think the, the, the irony in this situation is, is Arsenal could really learn a thing or two about running a club by taking a look at how Wolves are doing things because they've, they've made a plan and it's working out for them whereas with arsenal in general as as an outsider i'm looking at i'm just kind of going i'm not really sure what's going on what their intention is what they want i mean for a while it was like they seemed quite happy to be a top four club um i think that was maybe the wrong although financially it probably made perfect sense for them um it wasn't ambitious enough um yeah, there's just there's just something there that they just feel like a club that's lost its way.
2: When you look at the situation though, Sam, obviously you're well acquainted with Arteta when he worked as Guardiola's number two earlier this season and he's obviously held in high regard at Man City and he's thought of as one of the brightest coaches in European football at the moment and the noises from Arsenal suggest wait until the end of the season judge him judge the club and and judge where we are when everything's been wrapped up one of the big things that we obviously talk about a lot is new managers what what constitutes success Solskjaer obviously he's been in the United job longer Lampard at Chelsea what would be a good a so-called good finish for him with all the variables considered at Arsenal and all the issues that Arteta has to battle against what would be for you a successful end to the season for Mikel Arteta
3: Yeah I think you do it generally by position because if if he were you know it's probably not going to happen but if he were to get them up to fifth then you obviously say well that's great if he were to get them into the Europa League you say well that's that's positive given where they were but even if not You would then go to, especially with a coach like this and and a club like Arsenal. You would then go to playing style, and whether he started to get those ideas across, whether you've seen positives, and you know, and then um, I suppose below that, if he didn't, if there wasn't that, it would be well at least it didn't get any worse. But they do seem to be improving. They do seem to be getting better. There does seem to be that Arteta style coming in. Um, Yeah, you're not not there even at that kind of United renaissance level at the moment, which you wouldn't expect because, you know, they haven't had the time together. Um, but they're getting there. He's trying new things. Um, part of that is playing young players. Uh, like, that. that's probably why they've made such a big deal of getting Saka to stay. Um, Joe Willock as well. There's, there, there's a lot of good things I think he, he is doing there. And when you come in halfway through the season, you... Yeah, if you're not if you're not relying on a on a position to say this is what I've done, then you're looking at the the coaching of the team, and yeah, the young players is always good for for PR as much as anything. So he's on the right track uh, in in all respects, basically. Especially if they did get a uh, Europa League place.
2: But um, his his biggest acid acid test is to come when we look at the games they've got in the next few weeks. Obviously Wolves this weekend, Leicester at home, North London derby at Tottenham, Liverpool at home. Aston Villa away and then Watford on the last day and that FA Cup against Manchester City sandwiched right in the middle of it. It's a demanding run for what's a young team. It's all well and good beating Southampton and beating Norwich and and kind of green shoots of optimism. This is where he will be judged. This is Arteta's season now. This will decide whether he is actually up to the job or do you think maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration?
0: No, I think you're, I think you're completely right. And I'll be honest, I mean, I... I... I've I've never met him. Maybe maybe Sam has, and maybe Sam can give a bit more of an insight into what he's like as a character. But from what I can draw about him and, and his career as as a player as well, I think he's going to love this. I and and I think as well, having worked so closely with Guardiola for a couple of years as well, you know, he he's going to be used to pressure. He's going to be used to the demands of performing well, and he's going to see this as as an opportunity and. You know th- there there is the potential, as you rightly say that they could qualify for a Europe and they could have a piece of silverware to take home as well um which would be a surprise, I think to many people, but they're still in with a the chance they're still in with the opportunity to get that, and I think uh, he'll grab that with both hands and this is this is why he's gone for the job, this is why he's doing it, this is why he stepped out of the shadow of Guardiola because this is what he wanted. He is, you know, and, and he knows what it's like. He, he He's seen the flack that uh, people get when they don't perform the results. They've seen the flack that people get when they get knocked out. And uh, as, as a player as well, he's seen, you know, managers lose their jobs because of what's happened on the pitch. So he, he he's not going into this blind. He knows what is there. And I, I think there's, you know, it's part of the rush, I imagine, of being a manager. And so I, I think, while we may sit here and go, oh, it's stressful stressful run-in for him, I secretly think he's going to be loving it. This is what he does it. This is what he signed up for.
2: Sam, given the fact Wolves have been absolutely dead-eye since we've come back to action, three wins out of three, got themselves right in the middle of the top four conversation, how do you see this one panning out? This is, this is their hardest game uh, since they've come back, and they're going to be under pressure themselves, given the form that they've had in the last couple of weeks. This has all the makings of a really exciting game, where do you see the balance being tipped?
3: Uh, my thing with Wolves, I've said this before, I say it with all these teams, obviously, but when you want, when you want to finish in these places, it's all about consistency. It, it seems like Wolves have certainly found that now, um, and they've shown how far a few results strung together can propel you up the table, as have Man United. I'm still not sure if Wolves are going to have that consistency against even a team like Arsenal. You know, a team with... Maybe not as polished as Wolves are. Probably not as tactically sure of themselves as Wolves are. But still, with a lot of quality players, um, it's, it's a really interesting game for that reason. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Um, Wolves have kind of, they've got the inspirational players there, but generally the, the 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 wins are based on you know keeping it tight and then a bit of inspiration. Will that be enough against a team with the firepower of Arsenal? Arteta are very good at, at spotting things that don't necessarily work with the opposition. Um, you know, that's actually that's brought a lot to Guardiola in that sense. Um, so as much as I really do like Wolves, now I would love Wolves to get into the Champions League. I think it would be fascinating in terms of how they do but also who they were to buy in the summer. Um, I, I can see Arsenal doing quite well out of this.
2: Okay, so what are you going for Draw?
3: I'm going to go for an Arsenal win. I, I, I'm not sure. It could, it could be any of them, but I, I don't know. I just think Wolves are very steady. If they can block Arsenal, then fair enough. But I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal did find a way to to pick through eventually. Um, you know it was a bit of a joke first couple of games oh you know the Wolves have scored the same goal again the Jimenez header from a Traore cross Um, but you know when they played against Villa last week you know they were kind of they kept it together and Johnny burst forward and Dendonka scored and that was it and I I do wonder if if they can create enough chances against top sides I know Arsenal aren't necessarily a top top side at the moment but I, I think Arsenal will cause them more problems than the teams Wolves have faced so far could be wrong but that's just how I'm feeling on this one
2: would you be steering towards Arteta's boys? Loyalty to your old assistant manager Ant or do you think Wolves are just going to keep powering on?
0: I think Wolves are a very exciting side. I, I think they run very well as a club. Um, I think their potential is exciting. Um, they have something of the Lester of 2016 about them. Uh, I am a big fan of Arteta. I want to see him do well and I can see changes starting to come in at Arsenal and as you say, I think this is the fixture of the weekend, so it's got nil-nil all over it.
2: <laughs> fair enough, fair yeah, enough. It could be, it could be. to be fair. Yeah. I, I just don't have the confidence to give Arsenal a win. Uh, as much as I'm grateful for Sam going for it, I, I would go for a draw and have us all living on our nerves for the last few weeks of the season. Uh, final game today is Chelsea at home to Watford. Another top four uh, club, or another potential for a top four finish at least. Chelsea, as we mentioned before, don't seem to look as convincing as United. Um, they were good against Manchester City or. Although that was a very strange night with everything else that was going on in terms of the pressure of it confirming Liverpool as, as Premier League winners. This is a very odd one to call because Watford, for me, are exactly the type of team, as we saw in their win against Liverpool, that they are capable of just pulling a result out of the bag right when they need it. Troy Deeney can be a nightmare for defenders. They're very organised at the back. Um, we've mentioned a few times Gerard De La Feo's absence and how that will affect them, but... You get the sense, or, or I get the sense, Sam, with, with Watford, that they just need one win and they should be OK. They seem to have the experience, they have the goals with Dini and <clears throat> with Ismaili Sar and a few others. Could this be the time that they get it and, and just say, we're out of the relegation chat now, let's concentrate on finishing the season as positively as possible?
3: Uh, it, well yeah uh, one of my other things about these relegation battles and run-ins is you're always looking at teams in the relegation places to go oh well they're playing West Ham or they're playing Southampton and they might be safe by then and they might be playing they're playing Brighton and they could get a result there but I'm, I'm pretty sure that normally it's it's a result against a big team where they where there's no expectation that normally does a lot of good for teams in a relegation zone and I, I wouldn't like West Ham the other night actually against Chelsea Um I do expect Chelsea to win but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if Watford were to kind of put in some kind of sturdy display and and nick something obviously set pieces are the big talk at the moment Lampard saying they're not a very tall side Um, so I mean you can imagine Watford doing something from that even Ben Foster going up late for a corner at the end um yeah, it, it's, it's certainly got that feel about it. I'm not quite as certain about Chelsea. Maybe this is just because of the other night and it's just recency bias and all of this, but I'm not quite as certain about Chelsea as I am with, with Wolves and, and United. That's probably just based on results, to be fair. But, yeah, Watford... They, they may as well go and give it a go, because like I said, it's, it's often these games where relegation threatened teams can, can go and play and do something, and there's not quite as much pressure as there is when they're playing Brighton, for example, and they think this is a really big game. They could probably go there and do what they need to do and see what happens.
2: And I think I would agree with Sam on that, that the script almost seems written. Lampard has said, how to defend set-pieces, get tall people kind of written down on his clipboard um, and Nigel Pearson we know will be listening with an ear to the door Troy Deeney's not exactly shy when it comes to exposing opposition's uh, weakness and then talking about it uh, after the game <laughs> this this does look for a long free kick into the box a knockdown a scrappy goal Chelsea's top four hopes being dented and Watford being okay or you know are we being a bit too hard on Chelsea based on the West Ham result I know they've got a lot of grief for the way that they just kind of capitulated in the second half but th- you you cannot afford any sort of wobble at the moment and Watford are exactly the type of team to push you over if you are wobbling. I think it's great that Lampard's identified
0: the, <clears throat> the, the weakness and the possible solution to those set pieces, but um, it could do with telling his players. Um, they just don't seem able to defend uh, set pieces, which is exactly where you would expect Watford. And I think you, you nailed it on their head there. I think that Watford... One win will suit Watford really well And um, considering they've got West Ham And Norwich in their remaining fixtures You know, a a win against West Ham Especially is doubly valuable uh, Which obviously we we saw Is no uh, Not necessarily a given After what they did against Chelsea Um, I think So Watford are going to be A little relaxed about this Because it's kind of in in Their fate's in their own hands Um, I think you know, one win alone won't be enough. I think they're going to need two wins to guarantee that that their safety, which is definitely achievable. Um, but the the problem that they've got is, you know, being able to, you know, it's going to come down to set pieces for them. I can't really see them hitting Chelsea on the break, and Chelsea's attack is is the real worry that they've got. I mean, Pulisic has just been the player that you know was promised. Um, and and we saw glimpses of at the beginning of the season. Um, he he's been great since the project restart as well. And Willian, how Willian still hasn't got a contract. Fun fact for you: Willian uh, became the first Premier League footballer to score a goal in the Premier League in every month of the year. There you go. Yeah, so there's, <laughs> there's one for a future pub quiz. Um, but uh, I I I think I think there's. As much as there's pressure on 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 Watford to sort of stay up and get through this, I think Lampard, as as great as his first season in the Premier League is going to be, he's going to be desperate to get that Champions League qualification. Considering that he missed out on the the promotion with Derby last season, having done very well in the Championship, I think w- where where he is with, with Chelsea now, he's going to want that. He's really going to want that fourth player. and not just because he's a Chelsea boy through and through, but just to to prove himself. And I think he's doing he's doing a really good job. I think there's some great things happening at Chelsea. I think next season for Chelsea, they're going to be a team to watch. So they desperately they want the they want the Champions League as desperately as Watford want to stay up.
2: Okay, prediction time. Sam have we have we presented Watford's Ooh. case strong enough, or yeah, are you going to go- too strong? Yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, well, the good thing is I think I'm back on the show tomorrow so I can at least defend myself. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm always... I hate doing these ones. And then you, you think, oh, yeah, that's a really good prediction, that. And you feel really smart when they come off. And then another one goes the opposite way completely. Uh, I can't say draw again. You no, can. I No, I, I'm, I am going to go with Chelsea, just. I, I do think what it is a good opportunity for Watford and it is one of those games where they might get something. But I just think... I am going to go for Chelsea because then if I come back on tomorrow and Watford do win, I go, well, Well, I did say that as well.
2: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Ants, what are you going for? 2-1 two, two, Chelsea. 2-1 Chelsea. Okay, well, in the spirit of uh, of tomorrow's show, which we're all on uh, together, the three of us, mm. I'm going to let Ant be judge, jury and executioner tomorrow and I'm going to go for a Watford win. Uh, I've convinced myself now. Scrappy, late goal uh, and, and three points for, for Nigel Pearson's side. I'm convinced, I'm convinced, 100%. Uh, yeah, and... Works. That is it for today's show. Uh, As I say, we'll be back tomorrow. There'll be no rest for us three. It'll be myself, Ant McGinley and Sam Lee. No muscle injuries, no rest, no water breaks for us three. We'll be back previewing the Premier League action tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Good show. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the verdict tomorrow. To yeah.
0: <laughs> we should have a little wager of a face mask on the uh, the result.
2: Very quickly before we go, uh, obviously during lockdown, we've all been advised to keep uh, travel and uh, outside of the house business to an absolute minimum. Ant has been doing that. Uh, however, he popped out last night to buy some sweet chilli sauce, and he bumped into the most informed young player in the Premier League. And what happened? Uh,
0: well, I was. I, I want to, I want to say. The, the brand name of the store or where it is to protect his identity and, and also of course protect the identity of where I live <laughs> as, I'm he- as I'm heading to the checkout I walk around you know that thing you do you walk around the corner and almost bump into someone and I do a double take and it was Phil Foden 24 hours after sc- like to, almost to the moment because it was an evening shop I was going out to get some stuff for mum and, and dad uh, 24 hours after you scored that goal in Liverpool he's in the same store as me at the same time doing the same thing as me so it was a little bit like you know we were the same <laughs> and uh the only thing that was quite embarrassing was he was behind me on the till and because i was doing a bulk shop for my mum and dad i literally had like four kilos of pasta and loads of uh tins of tomatoes and i just kind of looked at him like i was doing some kind of cleanse diet uh but uh yeah i, I unfortunately because of the because of the lockdown scenario and wearing the mask um i didn't feel it was appropriate for me to to go up and kiss him as i would have done in normal circumstances
2: I think that's fair enough I think that's kind of uh, primary school disco Phil if you're listening uh, this is like real 80s radio Phil if you're listening and just wants to reach out if you see him in the queue again just just give him a wave it'll it'll make his year Uh, that's it uh, for the Football Social Daily Premier League show don't forget we've got a daily episode every single morning Uh, if you like what you've listened to today just hit like hit subscribe leave us a review we love hearing what you have to say about ourselves and the show and uh, if you're out and about doing any shopping and you bump into a new Friend that you've made during lockdown, that fellow who's walking the dog, or Phil Foden, if if you bump into Phil Foden, uh, get them to listen to the show as well. We would love to have them on board. Thanks very much, and we'll see you again soon.
1: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. plus. 18 plus.